Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, and welcome to The Parting Shot, your dose of everything pop culture. I'm H. Allen Scott. When my Big Fat Greek wedding opened on April 19th, 2002, it became a cultural phenomenon. The world became obsessed with the Windex-loving Portocalis family. The film would go on to gross $368.7 million at the box office, becoming one of the highest-grossing romantic comedies of all time, but also one of the highest-grossing independent films of all time. It only took $5 million to make, which just blows me away. And it earned Nia an Oscar nomination for her work on the script, and it also spawned a franchise with My Big Fat Greek Wedding 2, and now, most recently... My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3. And that's all because of the film's star and writer, Nia Verdalis, who joins me today. A lot has happened since my Big Fat Greek Wedding. Like I never left. Woo! My father passed away, and his last wish was for us to visit his childhood village and reconnect with our roots. So, we're having a reunion. We're going to Greece. Oh, yeah. One, two, three, four. And by we, I mean the whole family. Oh. Who wants souvlaki? Paging souvlaki. Anybody by the name of souvlaki on this flight? Nia said something during our chat that really hit me. She said, quote, I'm somebody ordinary that something extraordinary happened to, end quote. She's obviously referring to the success of My Big Fat Greek Wedding, but I also can't help but see the similarity between her character of Tula and Nia. You see, both Tula and Nia had to say yes to the moment, step up and do something scary. Tula had to stand up to her family to be with the man that she loved. And Nia, a self-described theater nerd, had to trust herself to lean into the possibilities of what her then one woman show could potentially be. In doing that, Tula found love, of course, as we all know, and Nia found her voice. And because of that, we've been able to relate to the Portocalis family ever since see some of our own family in them, and maybe just maybe realize that while we might seem different on the outside, really, we're not all that different because we all have something of the Portocalis family in our own families. You know what I mean? In a sense, the thing that Nia thought that made her ordinary actually made her extraordinary. And you'll hear that in our chat today. Her love and commitment to this story and these characters and her culture is infectious. Talking to her made me want to write about my own family. I mean, I think I even like called my mom afterwards to talk about how much we loved the original My Big Fat Greek Wedding. And I guess that's the power of great storytelling, right? And now with My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3, Nia is fully in control of shaping the Portocalis family narrative, taking on the roles of star and writer, which she's very familiar with, but also now executive producer and she directed the latest film. And honestly, with everything being the way it is in the world, it's kind of, there's a lot of ho-hum news out there. I personally need some of that Portocalis family energy in my life right now. And, you know, I know you do too. So go on and grab a snack because I'll be right back with Nia Verdalis. 
That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm-mm-mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. It's so nice to meet you. Thank you. You too. You too. I was just going to say, I, I, I got through Second City uh, writing material that was current and what was coming up with a subscription to Newsweek and People magazine. Oh, my God. I love that. I love that uh-huh. so much. I was in Second City I, in Chicago. Yeah, me too. Yay, yay, yay. Us. I was telling your team, I love you so much. I love the franchise so much. I love that this all came together so quickly just because I have been so excited about the third film. I, I have been eagerly awaiting for it to come out. What made you want to do, what inspired you to do a third installment? I think it was during the filming of the second one, we were wrapping in about a week and I had so enjoyed being with the cast again. And telling the story. And as it was coming to a close, the financier leaned in and said, do you have another film in you? And I said, here's the thing. I'm committed to doing a play. I'm adapting Cheryl Strayed's book. I really want to go back and do theater. And they all said, the producer said, we can wait. And not true. Because as I was doing the theater, as I was doing the play in New York, of course, they would come to every third show and wait for me afterwards and go, where's our script? So um, I, I had written it in a, around by 2018, 2019. And then, of course, as we know, the three year gap in all our lives delayed yes. it. But it was an extraordinary experience to get the wish fulfilled to film in Greece. Mm-hmm. Impossible. Mm-hmm. Made possible by a tax credit. Oh, really? Is that how yes. that's how it all came about? It really is. Often when you'll see a movie and think, why did they film it in Croatia? Oh, I just saw another movie filmed in Croatia because Croatia has a wonderful tax credit. And with tax credit comes experience, which comes crews that are taught and trained. And we did not have that in Greece. And I naively, I always write movies and then hope for the best. But what happened was this minister of film pushed through a tax credit in Greece. And we had an extraordinary experience. But I was tasked with filming everything in Greece, including the Chicago scene. Oh, my God. So mm-hmm, an incredible production designer would often have the optimistic view of looking at everything in Greece through the lens of Chicago. Walking through the Athens airport as we were scouting to film. Of course, the family arrives in Athens. Yeah. Of course, I'd written a scene there. But how do we film the Chicago scenes? Well, he would often just tilt his head to the side and say, you know, this angle here could look like O'Hare with some paint. 
Oh, interesting. That's how we did it. Yeah. It's so interesting. I mean, if there's any film that needs the essence of entirely being shot in Greece, it's a My Big Fat Greek Wedding. I mean, let's be real. Like this, I mean, sure, Greece, Greece could probably film like, you know, some film set in like Los Angeles or something. But My Big Fat Greek Wedding needs to be entirely shot in Greece. I mean, that makes sense. Completely agree. He, weirdly enough, Maria Vakratzis, who plays Aunt Frida, we're friends. When I did theater in Toronto, by the way, as you, you will hear me often say when I did theater, because I often go back and do theater in between doing films, because yeah. I feel most complete when I'm on stage being paid nothing. <laughs> that is my <laughs> that is my artistic life goal. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so Mar- Maria Vakratzis came when I was doing a musical company by, of course, Stephen Stevens. Sondheim, our favorite. And she told me when I told her that the third one was set in Greece, Maria said, I have to tell you something. You told me on the first movie that you always saw it as a trilogy and that one day we would go to Greece. And now you're here. Isn't it? Now we filmed a movie in Greece. I, I don't know if I'm some sort of idiot savant where I just push through and say, I'm going to do these things. And then I manipulate people to my will. I don't know. I mean, all the best artists do. You manifest it, then you find a way to make it happen. Who knows? You know? Yes. Yeah. And we were given a lot of goodwill. We got a lot of um, uh, permits to film places that normally would not come our way. Yeah. There's no way. We we filmed around Sindagma Square, which is Constitution Square, where there's the changing of the guard. Mm. I got to put a white convertible there and pull it with a truck, put cameras on the front of it. I mean, not me, our amazing cinematographer, Barry Peterson, uh, <laughs> put cameras on the front so that we could film the Greek shops. And that's really difficult oh. to do. But I know it was our partnering with Falido House, F-A-L-I-R-O, and their determination to get me what I wanted, which yeah. was all of Greece yeah. shoved into one movie. And uh, those were the those were the pluses of having Greek heritage, mm-hmm. being fluent in Greek, making movies about Greece. We were given a lot of goodwill came our way. Oh, I love it. I, I mean, what do you think it is? I mean, I know how I feel about it. But like, what do you think it is about the Portocalis family that people respond to so much of all cultures. I mean, it's, it, it spans cultures. What do you think the essence of it is? I think that we are real people who could be your family. Mm -hmm. And I think our kookiness and our flawed, not perfectness is reflected in our audience's hearts. Mm -hmm. And I, I believe that it is an energetic exchange in a movie theater And the audience sees themselves in us. And we, as a family, see ourselves in the audience. We often talk as a cast how grateful we are for the experience of of being a family Mm. who gets to grow old together, who made three movies together. We're incredibly moved by the experience. There's no way not one of us ever thinks we could have done it without each other and also without the audience. And we're very grateful. I don't think any of us has ever said no to a picture. Wow. Wow. I love that. I love that so much. I mean, I was telling your team beforehand that I there are those films that I need to have on when I fall asleep that are like my comfort films that make me feel good or if I'm depressed or whatever. And my big fat Greek wedding is 
literally has a monthly rotation in this apartment. I mean, it is, it's a constant Uh viewing. It's just, it's just always happening. You know, it's, it's just, it really touched a nerve in people that like, I think centered people in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Like the family, it came at a time when like we needed, I think that hug from this massive Greek family. And it's, it's lasted these 20 some years. Yes. I think it is. I think it is a hug. I think it's an enveloping. I think it is a feeling of comfort definitely. And it's a unique experience. This movie, I know it now in that I wrote about my family And you saw your family in my Mm -hmm. family, which means you're like me. I'm like you. And I love that. I love that every woman knitness that has been, I've been endowed with. Yeah, I am. Absolutely. I'm somebody ordinary that something extraordinary happened to. Mm -hmm. At the same time, we all saw Hamilton. I am not throwing away my shot. Right. So when the first movie happened, I thought, Every door in Hollywood flung open. I could have done my big factory wedding. We could be on number 19 by now, but I didn't want to do it at the time because I believe you have to, it's an old adage, but you have to live life to write life. And I had not lived enough to write that sequel. I needed to be a mom. I had written myself as a mom at the first movie, at the end of the first movie, because I wanted it so badly. Mm -hmm. And by the time the second movie began to germinate in my head it was because i was a mom yeah and you know the theme of the second movie is we turn into our parents but the theme of the third movie is are we we become the parents of our family yeah yeah our I, own family. it's so true you, i mean again you're manifesting you're manifesting all these things you just keep <laughs> manifesting so where in the third film do we find the porticollis family i did it one year later because um while i could have done it Many more years later, I wanted to erase the pandemic from everyone's hearts and minds. Thank God. (laughs) Thank God. I love that. Yeah. I pick it up a year later where the first movie ended. um, We we are suddenly going to the airport. And here's why. Because in the blink of an eye, so much can change. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we are dealing with a lot at the beginning of the first movie. uh, The opening is a where are we now? Mm-hmm. Because we, I wanted to remind the audience in the opening sequence, the pattern of it is reminding them of who everyone is, mm-hmm. what they felt for these characters, where we are, and also the information that we have lost our beloved Michael Constantine. Yeah. And that was a moment that I did not want to treat lightly. And it's, uh, I address it in the voiceover. I address it with visual imagery and I address it on the reason why we're going on our trip mm-hmm. because our dad asked us to go. Mm. That's so sweet. I was wondering how that would be handled. And it's, I love that you gave us the different version of Aiden that we needed. John Corbett is the best. I mean, I feel like you and Sarah Jessica Parker have made this man. I mean, he's perfect in general, but like you've made us just everyone want to be married to John Corbett. What makes him yeah. such a fantastic leading man? He is casual and easygoing and uh, every delivery of his seems like he just thought of that line at that very moment. He's For me, he's a writer's dream. As an actor, he's a co-star's dream because he is very present in the scene. There, there's, there are, what I wanted to do in the film is shot wise. I love a wonder. I love not too much cutting in comedy. I think comedy plays very much with the locked off camera, mm-hmm. but a surprise for me was a very emotional scene with John Corbett 
that we were both so in the scene and actually talking to each other like a married couple mm. that I didn't use any cutaways that I had filmed. When yeah. I was in the editing room, I just kept looking at the cu- close-ups and the cutaways and the medium shots and thought, I don't need it. Yeah. You, We just look like a couple talking about a family issue, wow. sitting at a table in Greece against the most gorgeous background you've ever seen in your whole life. <laughs> but uh, that's, that's his gift, I think. He is so present in the scene in the director's commentary that i uh, can you believe that you already recorded for the dvd I, before I, the movies i love come that out? i love that and yeah. I, will, I will be buying that dvd when it comes out <laughs> <laughs> but in it i i comment on his work in this one scene because you can see him hearing me for the first time mm. in in this scene and that's the take that i used is the 10th take of the scene He's just so present. Wow. Wow. I mean, he's just, you guys' dynamic, it's just, it just works in a way that like, I mean, I think the audience is you in that we all kind of feel a little like awkward when it comes to communicating these things and our feelings and all these things. And John is just like you're saying, is so present that you feel like Mm -hmm. he's seeing into your soul and it's it's Mm -hmm. almost i love that dynamic between the two of you and you really bring that through in your performances thank you i wanted to create a character that um is in the first movie that is uh flexible Mm. right Mm -hmm. that he sees the what he has to do to win over this family as not a compromise of his integrity but a challenge for the trust that he wants to earn. Mm-hmm. And that is always what what uh, guides me as I write his character. Mm-hmm. In the third movie, he just goes off on his own quite often mm-hmm. and discovers Greece because I believe to visit a country, you actually have to know its people. Yeah. So that's what he does. He He's just really easygoing and very fun. I, my, one of my favorite scenes is at the wedding that we don't talk about. There's a wedding, but it's a secret. Yeah, um, I won't at say. the wedding, <laughs> I love watching his face. Like he's actually having a great time as we're dancing. Wow. Wow. I love that. I love that. Well, what made, I mean, one of the things that I, ever since the first one and sort of following your career and being a fan of you and your work, you have, I mean, you're such a great comedic actor and writer and you, you have that comedic voice and brain that like I respond to so much as also a fellow second city person. And and you get, we get to a point where we're seeing you become that sort of theater director in a way that like we all, I mean, I always knew you sort of had that voice in you. What made you want to direct the third film and what do you enjoy most about sort of creating basically everything with this film? I mean, from the script to the performance to the directing, like you're all in you're Lawrence Olivier it. (laughs) Uh, I think that watching from the sidelines of the first and the second film and watching the characters become who they are because words are nothing without an actor, Mm -hmm. right? I, I realized that if I was going to possibly complete the trilogy, possibly this could be the third and final film. I don't know. I felt that I would be doing myself a disservice to not be brave and step forward and, and, and direct. 
And the only way that I could do it and also be in it and also produce and also run to casting, but also to all the costume and hair and makeup meetings and also to scout locations. We were there two months before, but we had three months of soft prep on Zoom looking. The location scout would go up on his motorcycle, take pictures, and I'd wake up to them in Los Angeles. That's how I was choosing locations. Yeah. How I did it was by, um, I wrote out a plan of how I was going to do it. Mm. I needed everyone's costumes done by this day so that that I needed this person's eyebrows and Vula's eyebrows. I needed them to arrive on this day because I needed her hair and makeup test to be done on this day because I was going back out on this location to look at this day and this day and this day. That's how I did it. I was firm and loving in my approach to directing and I created a really uh, not an easygoing set, a friendly set. Mm. I would talk every morning. I would communicate constantly. This is what we're going to do. I was not their mom. I was not their yoga instructor. I was their director yeah. here to lead and guide. There will be no crying on the set and no yelling. And it was wonderful. Absolutely wow. wonderful. Wow. How do you, how do you balance sort of, I mean, because you, you know, the material It's your material. It's everything yours. How do you sort of, when you're acting in the scene, are you breaking and then also directing someone? Like, how do you balance a lot of those roles on, on a film like this that I, is comedic and loose, you know? Yeah, I, I had done an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm and it was directed by Larry David. And I watched how he would be in a scene improvising. But sometimes as we were improvising, he would say to me, say that piece again, but make it shorter right across from me. It was incredible. And so what I decided to do was not direct from within a scene because we're not improvising. The lines are exactly the same, right? There's no improv in the movie. So what I would do is speak to the actors before, tell them who they were, Mm -hmm. where we were, where they were in their emotional arc, remind them of the secret they were keeping or what scene they had just come from. Mm-hmm. And then we would begin. And then I, I have learned, I learned this by shadowing other directors after the first take, do not cut and just let actors warm up and yeah. do it again and do it again. Often people need a break and I would cut and give them a break. Mm-hmm. Also let an actor think that you've got it. Even if you don't, mm-hmm. it's not a lie to say, great, that was great, and take a break and give them the exact same piece of direction that they have not gotten mm-hmm. with different words from a different angle. You say, I want to try something different now. And you give them the exact same piece of direction, but make them think, make them feel confident, yeah. make them think that they can do it. And quietly, because the last thing an actor needs is for the whole crew to see if they were able to do it with the way I just asked them to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. I'm, I'm so fascinated by the process of it because it's I mean, from an actor's point of view, it must be really helpful to have someone like you giving those directions because you and, and also having been with these people for 20 years, basically creating this franchise like they know. Yes. You. Yes, I know how certain people, I know that, for example, I know Joey likes to do his lines quickly. So we will rehearse. He like, he's very funny because he's glib and he's funny, right? And he's off the cuff. So while we're, I know how to rehearse him and how to get him ready for a scene. And they all, what I was extremely touched by with all of them is they all wanted to be good for me. Mm -hmm. And I was really touched by that every day, every day. Louis would take my arm and say, 
Do you have it? Because I know you don't move on until you have it, but do you have Mm -hmm. it? Like, isn't that amazing? And I'd say, yes, I have it. You did it. It's great. We're going to move on to the next setup. To have that amount of support from my family cast was incredible. There's no way we could have done it. If there was any strife or anger or um, hurt feelings on the set, they were just there to make this movie. Amazing. Well, I have one last question for you, and it's one of these opportunities that I can't pass on speaking with you and not asking you about Connie and Carla. I <laughs> I feel like I would be do a disservice to my homosexual family to not ask about this film. I loved recently Tony Collette was doing promotion for I think Mama Mia or not Mama Mia but Mafia Mama or whatever the film was called and she a lot of the questions were about Connie and Carla and it was sort of back in the ether and it makes me so excited because I saw that opening day the landmark cinema in Chicago you know at the in the mall there in 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 Lakeview and it is just what do you think it is about Connie and Carla because it has a cult following now I mean now yeah. it is like fully cult following it's john waters level amazing in terms of our obsession with it what do you think it is about connie and carla that i mean obviously that excited the homosexuals but also like that made it so such a gem of of something from the aughts that like i can't get out of my head ever it's so great i think first of all it's camp as a row of tents yes. and we love that right yes we love it yes right and also it's my i think um i'm I'm unabashedly sentimental for tolerance and love and my message of hope, yeah. right? And togetherness. And that message is so whispered within that film mm-hmm. and with the relationship with David Duchovny and his brother. And it's, it's there and it's over and over again. And that it's kindness mm-hmm. that's going to get us through. And we have show tunes. Yeah. We just can't go wrong yeah. when we're singing a show tune. <laughs> I love that. What was it like being dragged up like that because i just recently rewatched rewatched it for this interview and for the millionth time and i was looking at your makeup both of you you and tony collette's makeup and i'm just like that must have been just so much fun for you as a theater it was person so much fun oh absolutely as theater geeks it was a lot of fun it's a lot of time in the makeup chair but that's always a fun place to be because yeah. all the gossip the good gossip happens in that trailer and uh, I thought that the makeup and hair team did an incredible job of blocking out our eyebrows and yeah. lifting up our faces. And we learned to dance that way and just be fabulous. And I, I do remember, I've told this story before, but let's do it again. I had my vitamins in a Ziploc bag and Joan E said to me, uh, no, honey. And Alec Mappa and Joan E were like, go to Prada and get a little purse. <laughs> To put your vitamins in, which is because you look like someone's granny with that in your purse. <laughs> and I did. I went and got like a little zippy Louis Vuitton bag. Oh, I love in. that. I hope that I hope that you've kept that up till this day. <laughs> oh, to this day. Absolutely. I, the thing about what what I loved about being in the community and I was extremely welcomed when I was doing the research because I was already a known person when yeah. we started to make that movie. I was I, I learned a lot about what to say and what not to say. And amazingly, the language has changed now. There's yeah. language in that film that we don't use now. Oh, yeah. And that's a beautiful thing as we evolve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. But I learned so much about sass and style, mm-hmm. dressing like that in a tight corset with shoes and walking around like that. I just felt beautiful. Yeah. 
Yeah, it really gave you a comp. It, it shows in the film that it can bring out the better parts of you in a way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Well, stepping into another person's shoes at any time offers us a, a perspective that we would never otherwise have. Yeah. And I, I learned a lot in talking with the, the people who do drag on our set. I mean, there's so much hate and bullying. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. Still. Yeah. And at the time, I remember thinking it'll pass mm-hmm. and it's only gotten worse in our lifetime. Yeah. As basic human rights have been stripped from our community. Mm-hmm. And I say our because you and I are in the same community as yeah. a person who is absolutely an al- hopes to be an ally and a supporter. Mm-hmm. I'm watching things happen that are an abomination to humanity. Yeah. In the country, the land of opportunity and freedom, this is wrong. Yeah. It's absolutely wrong. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. it's, I was interviewing Melissa McCarthy for Little Mermaid and we were talking about just sort of the need for people like, you know, you and Melissa and other people who will speak openly about sort of what's going on because there is a lot of, like even just with, I mean, not just even just with me, but like on Instagram, there's all these messages and DMs of people talking about groomers and, and a crazy, crazy language that I've never heard before. And now I'm hearing it on a weekly basis. And it's just about us. And yeah, yeah exactly. Like, Honey, I don't have time to groom your kids. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like that's yes. insanity. I don't even <laughs> want to be around your kids. Yeah, seriously. I don't understand it at all. Well, we, you know, spoiler alert, we have um, the absolute gift of a a non-binary character in my Big Fat Greek Wedding 3. Oh, I love that. Yeah, Nick Adams at GLAAD gave me fantastic advice. I gave him the script Mm. to get absolutely, absolutely a seal of approval, clarity, and um, have language and the way to have Melina on set in a place of comfort. Mm. And it was amazing. Oh, it was an amazing that. experience. I love that. I love just the inclusivity of that. That's we need. I think we need, I, my opinion, we need more of that for sure. A hundred percent. Yep. Because as Gina Davis says with her group, if she can see it, she can be it. Yeah. And that, Oh yeah, that's, that's what we're trying to do. Normalize mm-hmm. all genders on screen. Yeah. Normalize that a drag queen is not a threat yeah, to yeah. your school. Just to normalize it. Yeah, exactly. Well, And also normalize people going to see my Big Fat Greek Wedding 3. Exactly. Thank That's you. what I want. Thank you so well, much. Thank you normalize for Normalize t- them having a subscription to Newsweek. Yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Like I said at the beginning, it's a real honor and I'm just such a fan of yours and I can't wait to see the film and everything else you do. Thank you very, very much, Second City Buddy. Yes. I'll see you soon, I hope. I am so ready to hang out with the Portocalis family again. I need a trip to Greece and I'm going to take it in a movie theater with a little bit of popcorn and a large root beer. That's my snack of choice. I also get a hot dog if I'm feeling frisky. Let me know what you thought of today's episode. Follow me on H. Allen Scott on everything. And thanks for listening to Newsweek's Parting Shot. I hope you're able to leave a little rating and review wherever you're listening to this podcast. And for the latest news and podcasts, you know what to do. Go to Newsweek.com and subscribe to my, my newsletter. It's lots of fun for the culture. You'll love it. Until then, watch something fun and have a great day. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. 
New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.